1917, Tsarist Russia ceased to exist and was replaced by the Communist Soviet Union. This revolution was led by Vladimir Lenin, but in 1923, his brain exploded and he died of death. The Soviets needed a new leader, and one man was determined to make damn sure he was going to be the strong arm he felt the USSR needed. Over the following three decades, he would lead his country and would inflict numerous hardships on his own people that led to millions of deaths, but he would also turn the USSR into a world superpower. In this episode, we're taking a look at this man's early life, his role in the Russian Revolution, and his thirst for power. So, grab your drinks, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History titled Joseph Stalin, Ballin' on a Budget. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Oh, oh! Hello, everyone. Welcome back from summer break. And it, Chris, don't cut me off. Mm-hmm. I know we've already done an episode since we've been back. Oh, the hangover is real. <laughs> the hangover is fucking real, dude. I was so excited to correct you because I never get to do it. It's always me taking the beatings. <laughs> this mm-hmm. asshole, he doesn't remember. I saw your hand go into your pants over the webcam <laughs> and I had, I had to stop you right there. Boy, after editing the last episode, going into this one, the fucking Texas heat, bro. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm wiped out. It's murder. It is absolute murder. You ready for another break? I'll just call it after this one. Indefinite break on the podcast. Let's have a seven-month break. <laughs> yeah, let's come back around March. See how we feel, you know? Yeah, you know. <laughs> just in time for spring break. Yeah, we'll take another be perfect. break. <laughs> It'll be perfect. We'll just do two episodes. We'll, we will, hey, hmm. we'll double the output of Dan Carlin if we do two episodes a year. I was going to say, if there were no time limits, I could take Dan Carlin any fucking day of the week. I'd take him on a date. <laughs> Pick his brain, history knowledge. Yeah. History of cunnilingus. Quote, would you like to suck my dick? End quote. Why, yes, Dan. <laughs> yes, I would. Uh, welcome in, first time listeners. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to all the prisoners of that church where I hung an advertisement for this podcast on the billboard. You know, I'm just trying to spread the the news where I can. You hanged it. You hanged it. Yes, I hunged it. The preacher was hung. (laughs) Well, now that we've welcomed all the new listeners, which are surely still here after that. Yeah. Chris, why don't you tell them and our existing lovely listeners? What we're talking about today. Uh, Today we're talking about old Joseph Stalin, asshole extraordinaire. I'm not sure if he's on the Hitler level of asshole, but uh, he's close, man. He's up there. He's up there. For sure. He's in the asshole hall of fame, and we're going to tell you why, obviously, uh, over the next seven episodes. So strap in. For Stalin, episode one. 
out of two, but pretend seven. Pretend seven. It's going to be a two-parter. And for both parts, our main source is Stalin, New Biography of a Dictator by Oleg Klefniuk. I love the name of of this book because yeah. it's obviously translated. Yeah. <laughs> Stalin, New Biography of a Dictator by Oleg Klefniuk. <laughs> I don't feel like that's a direct translation. You know what yeah, I mean? It's one it, of those to where it's like, mm, okay. Yeah, because I was looking at it, I'm like, how long does new hold up? Mm-hmm. If somebody comes out with one next year, and it's like, fuck, Oleg's just like punching his dashboard. This is bullshit. Bitches. <laughs> Send to Gulag. <laughs> what did you think of the book? It is a great book. I really enjoyed it. It's very thorough uh, without bogging down too much. It's not going to kick you in the crotch like a Ron Chernow biography. We were like, okay, we're in year two of this guy's life, and we're 250 pages into this fucking book. Uh, it moves quickly through some things that uh, we're going to cover in other episodes, you know, so uh, it's really is 100% laser focused on Stalin, so I really enjoyed it for that. Thank you for the review. Yes. Because I didn't read it. <laughs> I've got a lot going on in life right now. Mm-hmm. I moved my podcasting studio down the hall. Mm-hmm. You know, wife's boyfriend's moving in, so. Oh, man, you took the studio? Yeah. Where's, and where's so now Wolf? I'm in the hot water closet. So. Oh, my God. Where's Wolf Dick? Is he okay? He's my wife's boyfriend. Oh, my God. That yeah. son of a bitch, he's cheating on my wife. That motherfucker. She wanted somebody that talked back a little less. I guess. So, <laughs> um, again, for our new listeners that are no longer here They've because of left. the way we brought in this show, <laughs> uh, that is our invalid producer. Yes. He essentially is paralyzed. Mm. He's got a big old, big old hog, big old juicy hog of a, of a weenie, though, so... You know, what am I gonna do? Well, th- the space looks great. You've you've really spiced it up with that live, laugh, love sign you got hanging on the water heater. So, looks good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it at a garage sale. You know, all that aside, all of my uh, crippling terrors of life aside, mm-hmm. are you ready to start this podcast? Get into the story a little bit. You know. Oh, yeah. I'm so tired of hearing about how sad your life is. Let's talk about this shit. Let's fucking do it, brother. (laughs) Joseph Big Ballin' Stalin was born on December 6th, 1878 in the town of Gori, Georgia. His birth name was Josip Zhugovishli, but he would go by the adorable or possibly demeaning nickname of Soso. I would feel bad if that's how my mom introduced me. This is my child. He's just so-so. Kaiser so-so. Oh, that would have been better. But then it ruined... Usual suspects joke? Into that movie. (laughs) (sighs) All the 12-year-olds are really upset that uh, they don't get that. And they don't know that it's Kevin Spacey. Oh my god, I ruined it! (sighs) (laughs) His father, Basarian, was a successful cobbler who could read and converse in Georgian. His mother, Ekaterine, could also read and write Georgian, which gave the family an advantage 
because back in those days, being literate was pretty rare in Georgia. I don't know why I said back in those days, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Fucking voting for Herschel Walker. Way to go, guys. You're killing it. Fucking kill. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You see, the the bad air is in China, and then when we get the good air, they push bad air out, and it brings the good air to China and the bad air to here. Did Herschel say this? This is a direct quote, basically. Uh, He's talking about about the environment. uh, Great. Yep. Okay. Okay. I love this country. (sighs) By the time So-So was 10 years old, his dad was a raging alcoholic who decided to leave his family. My man. (laughs) Living the dream. Fortunately, Ekaterine was a skilled dressmaker, and So-So was an only child, which meant his mom was able to continue to pay for little Yosef's education at the Gori Theological School. Later in his life, stories about Stalin's childhood would go into great detail about how he was ruthlessly beaten by both parents, and that's why he was such an asshole. Now, after recent legal issues... I am under court orders to tell you that I am not a child psychologist. But, uh, unprofessional opinion, I can still see how a shitty childhood can make for a shitty person. What happened to me? That's why I ended up in that RV telling all those kids I was a psychologist. <laughs> Dude, I mean, personal experience kind of trumps everything. It does. It does. A little bit of confirmation bias sprinkled on top of, you know, the things that happen. Yeah, you can't disprove that with some sciencey <laughs> mumbo jumbo. Like education? Yeah, that's fucking stupid. It sounds like some Dr. Fauci bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, our main source points out that literally every kid in Georgia in the late 1800s was getting the piss beat out of them on the regular, and none of them turned out to be ruthless dictators who murdered millions of his citizens. Or her. Or her, yes, sorry. Been a lot of female dictators. So we'll let you make your own decisions. As a child, So-So suffered through numerous illnesses, including smallpox, which left his face pockmarked for the rest of his life. He was also born with two toes on his left foot fused together. When he was 12, he was run over by a goddamn carriage. He spent months in a hospital, and the doctors did such a shit job repairing his left arm that the joints would remain atrophied for the rest of his life, and the arm never functioned properly. Now, I've seen pictures of Joseph Stalin. I know he has a a full-size arm, but doesn't it make it a little better to picture him with a tiny baby arm, like this (laughs) evil dictator? (laughs) He's got this little bitty hand sticking out of his shoulder. It'd be funny if the carriage, like, chopped off his arm, but he's, like, Deadpool, and he just had a little actual, like, baby arm. <laughs> but, dude, but imagine, or let, let me preface this. Mm-hmm. Nothing about the atrocities of World War II are funny, but imagine if it was Hitler that With that happened baby, to. Baby arm? Yeah, and he was just doing the little fucking tiny arm pile salute to all the soldiers with the little fucking baby arm. It'd be so stupid because he'd have his normal uniform, but the tailor would have to like 
make a very like small like two inch diameter sleeve that only went out like three inches just for a stupid baby arm salute yeah <laughs> and then he killed a lot of jews and retarded oh, people and homosexuals <laughs> gypsies uh and so it's not funny well Chris. i wanted to make it's not more jokes. funny i want to talk about it like if he had broccoli in his mustache and he's trying to use the baby arm to get it out of there instead of like his actual working arm and oh oh no no go ahead and then i'll edit that last part to go at the end <laughs> okay <laughs> these fools will never know the difference <laughs> idiots all right go ahead yes you're right greg um that is horrible that hitler did that you said multiple jokes though you said jokes plural Oh, I don't. It was know only that. the broccoli. It was only the broccoli. It was only the broccoli. That's why I stopped this whole show down. And then he gets a baby arm, and he gets a little baby carrot, and he he pretends like he's smoking a cigarette. It's so cute. <laughs> Hitler's cute. I love him. Oh, that's quote Chris. <laughs> I didn't say any of that, and uh... well, no, you you text it to me. <laughs> but anyway, continue. With the podcast. <laughs> well, I guess. I'm going to talk about Hitler for a little bit longer. Just uh, check your phone. <laughs> well, there are other stories from Joseph's childhood, like his dad kidnapping him and forcing him to work as an apprentice cobbler. Should we explain what a cobbler is for the 12-year-olds? Uh, do they even know who Daniel Day-Lewis is? Yeah, the guy, guy who makes the fucking peach cobbler for dessert. Yeah, he became an actual cobbler in Italy after There Will Be Blood, the movie. Oh. Like, he retired, and that was his profession. (laughs) Then he made the Lincoln movie after that. Like, everybody knew he was full of shit, but cobblers make shoes. Oh. And Crocs. Not dessert. They might make dessert, but it's not their profession. (laughs) Well, anyways, his dad was a cobbler. And he allegedly kidnapped Joseph and made him work as a cobbler. And he's like, no, this is bullshit. Capitalism is nonsense. Or there was the time that his teachers at the Gory Theological School took Joseph and his classmates to a good old-fashioned criminal execution, which made Soso yearn to become a public administrator to help the poor peasantry. But uh, like a lot of our historical figures, most of these stories came out later in his life and they aren't easily verifiable, so who the fuck knows if they actually happen? I got a, I got a good feeling that this guy who's going to kill millions of people was really upset by seeing that hanging. Like, it fucked him up really bad. Like, he's like, oh no, I need to help people. That's how he felt. Hunging, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, I always, I always feel like I correct you on hang hung, so... It just yeah, I wanted to give you a layup. You know, I appreciate it. I really do because I think You're welcome, I, man. I think I actually got it right for once. Soso spent the years of 1888 through 1894 at Gory Theological, where he was a model student and received the grade of excellent in sacred history, orthodox catechism, liturgical exegesis, and ecclesial typicon. Nailed that. Holy Ru- shit. <laughs> Russian, Georgian, geography, penmanship, liturgical chant, and behavior. So smart. God, I'm so learned. Fucking nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, because he did so well in all of that obviously made-up bullshit, he was accepted into the Tiflis Theological Seminary. Life at Tiflis was much more strict, and although he spent more than four years there, things didn't go too great for little so-so Stalin. Things went kind of so-so. Wolf Dick, boo this man. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he wanted to experience the world and learn about Georgian things and read non-religious books like novels by Victor Hugo and political writings by Karl Marx. And that shit was way off limits at the Russian-dominated seminary. It's kind of interesting that he was a big Victor Hugo fan because he would later like literally arrest people for stealing bread. Or hiding grain just to feed <laughs> yeah. their starving family. Just like old Jean Valjean in Les Miserables. Yep. Old Hugh Jackman. Old Hugh Jackman. Well, Soso's grades began to suffer, and he was frequently punished by being thrown in a holding cell. He began to rebel by refusing to acknowledge the monks and by declaring himself an atheist. In August of 1898... Soso joined a social democratic organization and began working as a propagandist for small groups of workers. His time at the seminary ended in May of 1899. According to some sources, he left on his own, and he was begged to come back by the school. Our main source states he was expelled for failing to appear for his exams. Stalin himself would claim he was kicked out for pushing Marxist propaganda and his mom would claim she took him out of the school because he was having health issues. Either way, at the age of 20, Stalin's schooling days were over. He worked as a tutor for a bit and then went to work for the Tiflis Meteorological Society, where his job was to collect data from instruments. This allowed him to spend most of his time reading and studying communist literature and organizing groups of workers. The police began to suspect him of being a communist agitator in 1901 after he organized a strike, so Stalin booked it to the city of Batum, which was a major hub for the Russian petroleum industry. And he knew Sting wasn't going to follow him there. You know, the police. The police were suspecting him. Fucking nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Good job, Christopher. I felt really good. It felt, you know, just... Sometimes you just know. You just know you're on you're on the beam, you're doing the little twirly things, and you jump in the air, do a triple axle, land, and you just knew you stuck it. You fucking stuck that landing. That's why they call you one of the top 250 co-hosts in the country when it comes <laughs> to podcasting about history while drinking. Yes, that's true. I mean, how's there an argument, you know? <laughs> You're definitely at least 250. At least. At least. Some would argue at most, but at least. <laughs> On March 9th, 1902, a group of workers stormed a prison where their comrades were being held, and they were fired upon by Russian troops. The police knew Stalin was in the area and arrested him in connection to the uprising. He was tossed in prison, where he immediately wrote to his mother asking her to give him a false alibi, but his letters fell into the hands of the police. And they used that to write message in a bottle. It's another sting joke. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your support in this trying time. At least Stalin didn't have to leave on the red light, you know, <laughs> because it's communist, oh. red army. Yeah, yeah. God I, damn. I can do your jokes better than you. Yeah, kill myself now. <laughs> <laughs> that November, he begged to be released because he had a really bad cough. And in January, his mom wrote a letter saying she was broke, and Soso was the only one who could take care of her. And in the end, all of these pleas were ignored, and in the fall of 1903, Stalin was sent to the wastelands in Siberia. Hell yeah. Let's fucking go. Suffer and die, Stalin. (laughs) There's no escaping Siberia. It's a literal death sentence. (laughs) Next point. Got it. Well, that might sound like a death sentence. But in reality, it's like being deported from Texas to South Dakota. Oh. Yeah. Sure, it's an empty frozen hellscape where the soul goes to die. But if you want to leave, you just leave. Like, why would anybody ever stay in fucking South Dakota? In 1904, Stalin escaped, quote-unquote, Siberia and returned to Georgia. Because it was on his mind. And it's where he rose to the ranks of the Trans-Caucasian Social Democratic Organization. I know a Trans-Caucasian. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Just gonna see if we could handle that with maturity and uh, <laughs> grace. <laughs> what do you mean? Nothing. <clears throat> Continuing on. At this point in time, the communists were mainly divided into two groups, the Mensheviks and the Bolsheviks. Stalin belonged to the Bolsheviks, which was the less dominant group. He was getting topped by the Mensheviks. And he was elected to represent them at a congress in London, where he met the leader of his party, Vladimir Lenin. In 1905, Stalin had moved into the home of one of his Bolshevik buddies, who just so happened to have a sweet, clean, 20-year-old sister named Yekaterina. The two fell in love, and they were married in July of 1906, but it might have been a marriage of necessity, as Yekaterina was already pregnant with Stalin's son. The boy, which they named Yakov, after their favorite comedian, from the 80s, who did the whole thing, you in Russia, such and such, does you, and everybody laughs. He was born in March of 1907, just before Stalin left for London to meet his man-crush Lenin. It's Yakov Smirnov, guys, if you ever get bored on YouTube and you want to see a very unfunny comedian, and you're tired of looking at Dane Cook clips, you can just look up Yakov Smirnov. They're already listening to this podcast. (laughs) Fair enough. Upon returning from London, Stalin kept up his work organizing strikes and revolts, and may have even organized or taken part in a train robbery that netted the Bolsheviks 250,000 rubles. While there's no hard evidence to time to the robbery, it was enough to piss off the Mensheviks who basically forced Stalin to flee the city of Baku. 
Yeah, he wasn't there, but he heard about it on the radio in his shower. He's like, yeah, you fucking did it. You guys did it. That's a Goodfellas reference. Did it. Everybody in Goodfellas is dying. Nobody knows any of your references. Everybody knows Goodfellas. Come somebody on. Somebody your age. I love that movie. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. God damn it. I know. <laughs> I know. I hate when I have a good zinger and the person I'm talking to is just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> fuck! Just imagine if you did. It was really good. Spandau Ballet. They were a really big band in the 80s. You don't... <laughs> you know, the, the Baja men who let the dogs out? The Baja men? Come on. <laughs> it's the fucking best Baja men joke you're ever going to hear. Sorry that you've never heard of the Baja men. Who? 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 No? Fuck. I was born in 2003, Fuck. sir. Fuck! <laughs> Once in Baku, Stalin was able to turn the Bolsheviks into the dominant Communist Party, but personal tragedy struck when his young wife, Ekaterina, contracted typhus and died. His son, Yakov, was sent to live with Ekaterina's parents. And if any of that makes you sad, remember two things. Stalin was an asshole, and you didn't know that either one of these people existed like two minutes ago. Over the following couple years, he continued his work, and he was arrested a couple of times, but managed to escape serious punishment. That changed in 1913, when Stalin was arrested in Petersburg, Florida. He was talking about critical race theory, and that doesn't fly down there. (laughs) He was uh, educating people on sexual education, and uh, yeah. Straight to the gulag. He was sitting in a Starbucks. He said, yeah, I saw two guys kiss each other once. Arrested. Boom. Done. Right there. Right fucking there. (laughs) He would spend the next four years in a Siberian town that was inside the Arctic Circle. There were proposals made within the Bolsheviks to help him escape, but they never came to fruition. Stalin became dejected and stopped working on the communist cause. Instead focused on stupid little things like, you know, trying not to starve or freeze to death in a place humans were never meant to live. And little known fact, during this exile, Stalin moved in with the Perepergan family, which was five brothers and sisters, all of whom who had been orphaned in Siberia. It was then that the 35-year-old Joseph Stalin began an intimate relationship with 14-year-old Lydia Perepergan. Stalin would allegedly impregnate her twice, with one of the children surviving infancy, but he never acknowledged that the surviving boy was his. That's how you catch statch rape charges. Oh, dude, that's statch rape all day. Yeah, fucking piece of shit. Fuck you, Stalin. Very, very clear case statch rape. This might be the worst thing Stalin's ever done. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. We'll let you guys decide. Hit us up in the comments. Yeah. Well, big changes happened in 1917 when the people of Russia got tired of Tsar Nicholas II's shit. See also our Patreon episodes on Rasputin. Nicholas abdicated the throne and a giant power vacuum was left in his place. Now, of course, the communists rushed to fill the void and Stalin booked it to Moscow so he could take part. 
He and his buddy, Lev Kamenev, took control of the Bolshevik newspaper Pravda and began to spread the company line. Well, at first, this put them in direct conflict with Vladimir Lenin, who believed that the Bolsheviks weren't being radical enough. It's gonna be cool, man. Tubular. <laughs> Guys, y- y'all gotta fucking hang loose. Let's catch some goddamn waves off the coast of Vladivostok, <laughs> where it's like frozen for like nine months out of the year. Ships can't even move out of their main shipping hub because the ice is so cold. Let's fucking catch some waves, bro. It's know? basically, you know, Spicoli. From Fast Time at Ridgemont High. <laughs> and of course, Stalin would be Matthew McConaughey. So they're like, you know what I like about high school mm, girls? God. <laughs> I get older. God. They stay the same age. I'm uncomfortable with Stalin. How have we, how have we not canceled Matthew McConaughey for that shit? Come on. Shouldn't have taken that role. He was an actor. Whatever, cancel everybody. That's a fucking bad excuse. (laughs) He should have known better 35 years ago. Yeah, an old fucking uh, Dustin Hoffman. Mm hmm. Being Rain Man. Yeah, pretending sensitive. Yeah. To be. Um. Mint. Um. Autistic. (laughs) Instead of giving that role to an autist. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. I can't believe these people. I can't believe they've done this shit. Unbelievable. Not everybody can be the perfect bastions of humanity that we are. <sighs> we got to keep spreading the love, spreading the education so that one day people can be. That's, that's the that's the dream. You that's know? the whole point of this podcast, you know? So why do we do it? Yep. Anyway. <laughs> now, Lennon believed the way to seize control of the party was to be the craziest motherfucker there. And to promise rainbows and puppy dog kisses in his new socialist utopia. Stalin soon realized which way the wind was blowing, and he jumped on that linen train. See, that's a history joke, because he was snuck back into Russia on a train, a sealed train, by the Germans. To yeah, overth- from overthrow- Switzerland, right? Yeah, to overthrow their government, yeah. When he was working at a sausage factory. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he really was. Oh, I, I thought you meant the sausage factory on Fifth. No, 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 an no, actual different place. sausage okay. factory. Oh, gotcha. This is where they make the sausage, not consume it. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Sounds less fun, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, joining Stalin on the Lenin train was Leon Trotsky, who was a great speaker and a brilliant writer, which was two things Stalin was not. The two basically became frenemies, who worked together to push the Bolshevik agenda, but they also hated each other on a personal level. Lenin's far-out ideas made him a target for arrest by the imperialists and even more moderate members of the Communist Party, so in August 1917, he booked it out of Russia. Stalin went into hiding with a revolutionary named Nadizda Aliluvia. Close enough? Close enough. It's gotta be who was a 16-year-old girl that Stalin had known since she was a child, and he'd even saved her from drowning at one point. Nice father figure, you know? Her dad's mm. gone. He's just going to fill that role. We're going to take care of her. He's going to fill that role, and he's going to fill that hole. <laughs> oh, God. 
Because he's a nasty. He is a motherfucker. Sick fuck. Because naturally, the 38 year old Stalin fell in love with her and would later wed her on an unknown date in 1919. Just celebrating the end of the Great War? Celebrating her turning 18. Age of consent. We're getting out of these foxholes and getting into the. You know what? Just <laughs> continue. Never please. mind. Yes, okay. In October of 1917, Linda decided, fuck it, it's go time, and snuck back into the country and led a coup against the provisional Russian government. On the 26th of that month, the Bolsheviks seized control of the country. Lenin was the de facto leader with Stalin and Trotsky as his right-hand men. Or should I say, left-hand men. Because, you know, communism. Far left. (laughs) Yes. Fucking did it again. Did it again. You beautiful boy. They can't all be pedophilia jokes, Greg. You can't just be one note here. I guess. (laughs) Well, there was also a fourth guy, Yakov Zverdlov. But uh, he did very little actual work and died in 1919. So this sentence is the only time we will ever mention him on this show, ever. Guaranteed. Book it. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you, jack off. Spurred love. <laughs> Lenin immediately signed a peace treaty with the Germans, ending the Russian involvement in World War I. But although he had promised it, things definitely weren't all rainbows and puppy dog kisses back home in Russia. While the Bolsheviks had a great deal of support, they were still pretty much hated by the upper, middle, and peasant classes. Just trifecta, man. Just nailed it. All of them. Yeah, everybody hates him. What more can you ask for, right? God? You're like, ah, well, God still loves me. (laughs) Yeah. They were hated by the upper, middle, peasant, and God class. Shit! God damn it! Fuck! (laughs) Forces from the left and the right joined together to fight Lenin and the Bolsheviks, and Russia was thrown into a civil war. Would Lenin be defeated? Would Stalin survive the war and become a brutal dictator for years to come? The show is only like halfway over, so, I mean, Lenin's probably going to win and Stalin's probably going to take power. But you cannot be sure unless you come back after this short break. Hmm. See how I did that, ladies and gentlemen? Hooked him right in. You seen that? Yeah. That's a professional fucking podcaster right there. It's fucking how we do it. Yeah. You cucks all think about that during this little 10-second break, okay? Dismissed. All right, we are back from break. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You might have noticed it was a little longer than usual. At least it felt that way on my end. Yeah, it was the exact same amount of time for them. Oh, yeah. Time is relative. I've learned that from a cartoon version of Albert Einstein trying to explain it to me like a five-year-old. Most of it went over my head, but still. I believe it's Albert Epstein. (laughs) Also things going over five-year-old heads. Oh! Wolf dick, give him something! Balloons. Yeah. Birthday parties. Yeah. 
for pedophiles. Pedophiles bring <laughs> oh their kids. Oh my god, he turned it around again. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do 180 after 180. You guys don't know where we're coming from. This is that road in San Francisco that's all swervy. And we're doing car chases down it. You just don't know what fuck's coming. <laughs> Speaking of Epstein, you know, not in the same category, but another somewhat nefarious person in American culture right now is a certain Alex Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I started uh, looking into him a little more, and I realized something, Chris. While I despise uh, many a thing that Alex Jones says, Mm -hmm. I do very much admire his energy. Oh, yeah? Yes. Oh, he's dude. Big man energy. He's He's got that big, just excited guy energy, you know? Just loves everything. That's that's what oh, I dude. think of when I think about Alex Jones. Think about this. I'm a pioneer. I'm an explorer. I'm a human, and I'm coming. <laughs> I'm animated. I'm alive. My heart's big. It's got hot blood going through it fast. I like to fight, too. I like to eat. I like to have children. I'm here. I got a life force. This is a human. This is what we look like. This is what we act like. This is what everybody was like before us. This is what I am. I'm a throwback. I'm here. I've got the fire of human liberty. I'm setting fires everywhere. And humans are turning on everywhere. You know, that's about my that's about my level of mental stability. <laughs> and he's He's aggressive like I want to be, mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, he really speaks to me as a white male, disenfranchised white male. Uh, I feel like he's saying a lot of things that, you know, maybe explain why I don't get my way all the time, you know? Like, I thought the world was going to be one way, and it wasn't, and then he said a bunch of stuff, and I don't know, maybe we should go storm the Capitol. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just it saying things. I'm just saying. Fucking unacceptable when I don't get my way 100% of the time. That's all I'm saying, and I don't, I don't think that's saying too much, you know? Yeah, I think it's the, the liberal Democrats' fault, too, that I don't get what I want all the yeah, time. I'm not trying to make this all political. I'm just saying that this country has its boot on the neck of the white man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's it, dude. Oh, we need to be careful. That dude just lost a lot of money. He's probably going to sue the shit out of us now. Oh. No, he can come after me. You know what I'm going to say? What's that? I'm a human. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, longest intro to the second half ever. Right. Uh, You know, well, sometimes we got to bring it back with a little bit of good times because things aren't going to be so great for the Soviets and the Russians and all those people under Stalin. We'll get to that here in the second half, but before we start any second half of this podcast, we have to do one thing, and that is pop the top on our second half seltzers. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Yeah. And in three, two, one. Okay, comrades, do it. Go pop. I'm a human, and I'm coming. (laughs) It is good. Seltzers are delicious, and I will not be shamed for drinking them at Guy's Night Out at the Bar. Okay? (laughs) I won't shame you. Thank you. Thank you. 
until I go to the bathroom. And they're like, you believe that fucking guy? <laughs> what Dude, fuck? y'all see Chris drinking that fucking seltzer? <laughs> yeah. Then, like, the Bud Light label, like, slips off of my Apple Teeny. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you guys were going to buy this. Yeah. It's in a martini glass, <laughs> like... And it's just got a Bud Light label loosely wrapped around it. I'm sorry, okay? Uh, bartender, give me 12 shots of Everclear. Let's do it, fellas. Let's do it. Please pour water in mine. Please. Buttery nipples, they won't know the difference. They don't know. And if you could roofie like six of them, I'll slip you an extra 20. But surprise me. <laughs> you take your shot and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, are you ready to start this second half and tell the people the story? Well, you know, what's left of this part of the story about Joseph Stalin? I've actually had a few uh, a few days to prepare this time, so yeah. <laughs> I am fucking more ready than I've ever been in the second half. You're a human and you're coming. Let's do it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm a human, and I'm coming. <laughs> the Bolsheviks had control of Moscow, but a huge portion of the people hated their guts and were willing to fight them. A civil war would rage between 1918 and 1920, leading to the death of at least 8 million citizens of the Russian Empire, and another 2 million straight up bolted out of the country. It's like, man, fuck this shit. Moving I'm to Canada. Out. Not my yeah. president. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for comparison, World War I had been considered a gruesome failure for the Russians with a death toll of only 2 million. That's it. Yeah, fucking... Only 2 million individual lives. Relative to this, it's kind uh, of a... Yeah, it's a you know, it's, it's get-out-of-jail-free card. It's cheap, you know? Yeah, this is your Prince Albert Epstein... <laughs> Relativity. <What? laughs> I, you know, it's gotta suck though, because you're like, yeah, let's let's overthrow the government. I'm tired of fighting this war where everybody keeps dying for no fucking reason. What? Oh, you're complaining. <laughs> Stalin's first role in the civil war came in July of 1918 when he was dispatched to Saritsyn later renamed to Stalingrad and now known as Volograd, to acquire grain for the starving cities of Russia. When he arrived, his economic and diplomatic mission immediately shifted to a militaristic one because forces hostile to the Bolsheviks had also turned their attention on Sardson. Now, Lenin had placed Leon Trotsky in charge of the Red Army, but in order to try and have a somewhat organized military force, Trotsky had forced officers from the former Tsarist army to serve in the Red Army under threat of imprisonment or death at the hand of commissars. You might be thinking that sounds like a kind of dumb idea, and if so, congratulations! You just agreed with Joseph Stalin. Fucking got him! Boom, <laughs> listener! You're like, why would they hire the old officers? They don't want to serve that. Oh, that's what Stalin said, you assholes. Wow. Bet you love your moms, don't you? Yeah. Just like Hitler. Ha! Double got him. <laughs> Double fucking got him. You like dogs? You think people shouldn't smoke? Oh! Ooh, Hitler again. Look who's the Nazi now. 
Oh, smoking is dust for Bolton, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> but Stalin's idea to fire them all and take command himself was equally dumb, considering Stalin had absolutely zero military experience, and now had no one to advise him at all. After a couple of months, Saritsyn was in danger of falling to the White Army. And if you're asking yourself, what is the White Army? And what does it have to do with January 6th? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. This is a different White Army. And uh, it was act- they were anti-Soviet forces during the Civil War. You had the Red Army and you had the White Army. You just know the Red Army more because... Spoiler... No, 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 don't let him know. So we... Oh, oh, I, I mean, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I'm a white man and I'm coming. Is that what he says? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a human and I'm coming. <laughs> the white man was just implied. I didn't need to say it. Yeah. <laughs> now, in response to this, Stalin had his secret police round up former czarist officers, former czarist officials, and basically anyone who didn't get violently ill at the idea that Russia was ever ruled by a czar and had them imprisoned and purged. I oh, made them throw up. It's, it's a weird torture, but yeah. It means systematically murdered. Oh! In this case. Oh. It's a little different. Well, and apparently it worked like gangbusters because when Stalin asked if he could do it in another city, Lenin replied with a fucking thumbs up emoji. But it was like... It was a, a black thumbs up emoji for some reason. It's like, <laughs> you think you're, like, is this edgy or something? Yeah. Are you trying like to be funny? Like the white kid replying with the, the black thumbs up emojis? Like, really, dude? I mean, yeah. it's low hanging fruit. <laughs> Stalin still laughed when he saw it because he's a piece of shit. True. Trotsky was not impressed. He pointed out that the Red Army had more men and better equipment. And yet they kept losing to farmers because Stalin was a dumb, dumb, doo-doo head. And that's why, Greg, this week, I am proud to be an American, where at least I know we've never lost to farmers who are, you know, had worse equipment and less training and less men. Just glad that's never fucking happened here. So I salute you, American flag. I mean, we won as that. It's Vietnam, though. We lost... Against oh. them. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. I'm oh. sorry. Uh, Vietnam was a conflict and not a war. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. We didn't even want to win that shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was for the uh, military-industrial complex. Everybody knows that. It's basically a preseason game for us. You know, <laughs> just getting warmed up for the Russians. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Well, Trotsky asked Lenin to consolidate the entire Red Army under his command, and this time Lenin responded with two thumb-up emojis and that emoji that it's like smirking and wearing sunglasses, but like the two thumbs up this time, they're they're just the default regular, you know, the the Uh, yellow one? Yeah. But then one white one. (laughs) And it's like, dude, you're a fucking enigma. Yeah, yeah, that's that's because you have to make that choice. It doesn't yeah. do that by default. He's ooh. he's the black one. It's like, oh, okay, you're you know you're being edgy. <laughs> yeah. I get it. It's like because you're obviously not black. Yeah, we get it. But then to do the regular default one, 
Then the white one was like, what the fuck is going on here? What's your game, friendo? Yeah, that's when you just call and you're like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Stalin was given another chance in 1920 when the Polish invaded Ukraine and captured Kiev. Something that was brought up to our attention at the invasion of Ukraine here a few months ago, where people were like, you guys keep calling it Kiev on your shows and it's Kiev. That was changed after the fall of the Soviet Union. So it was, at this time, called Kiev. So fuck you. Thanks for listening, I guess, but never try and correct us again. In short, SMD. <laughs> Lenin sent Stalin to the south to lead the Red Army in a counterattack, and at first, things went pretty okay. The Poles were driven out of Kiev, and plans were made for the Red Army to push onward into Poland. Lenin thought that the Polish would revolt and overthrow their government in favor of communism, but Stalin wasn't too sure. So when an order came for Stalin to transfer his forces to the army attacking Warsaw, he straight up ignored it. The Red Army was soundly defeated and pushed out of Poland, and Stalin was called back to Moscow to explain himself. It was then that Stalin did what he would do for the rest of his political career, accept no blame and claim he had been sabotaged by his support staff, which is oddly familiar <laughs> to me for some reason. Yeah, reading this whole story, I'm like, man, this sounds like a playbook of some sort. I don't know. <laughs> of those leftist democrats <laughs> who are turning our frogs gay! <laughs> I'm a human, and I'm coming. Trotsky pointed out that even Stalin's success had come from the tactic of throwing his army straight at the enemy and using his numerical superiority to win the fight while suffering massive casualties. And this would be the case for decades to come. Stalin then said, Hey, if you guys are going to be dicks about this, I'm just going to quit army. Thinking they'd beg him to stay. Instead, they said, Cool, bro, and accepted his resignation. The Civil War ended in 1920, and the Bolsheviks and Lenin came out on top. But their communist dream world, in which money doesn't exist, and everything's run through direct exchange, well, didn't quite come to fruition. What? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> you know, communism would work if, it, if they ever tried the pure form of it. Is what I've read on the internet a thousand times. Uh, it's never been done, Chris. It's, it's never, never been tried. Been done. <laughs> Instead, they had to allow for just the tiniest, teensiest bit of capitalism, like the use of money and allowing peasants to sell their produce instead of giving it all to the state. This kept the people from revolting and protesting, but the fall of the government, the civil war, and the upheaval that immediately followed led to a massive shortage of grain and a year-long famine that resulted in the death of five million people. Hmm. Makes World War I look pretty great, doesn't it? Idiot Russians. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Ivan, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> you wanted to overthrow the Tsar just because you thought some priest with a giant dick was fucking his wife. <laughs> Idiot. 
He was like a cleric, if anything. No, it doesn't matter. They don't know that because they haven't listened to the Rasputin episodes, which are only available to our Patreon listeners. You're welcome, Patreon. And you're decidedly unwelcome, normal listener. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a human, and I'm coming. (laughs) Wolf Dick really loves that drop for some reason. God, he can't stay away from it. Well, during these early days, Stalin was given a job in the Politburo, which was the organization that was in charge of running the Bolshevik Empire. But they were mid-level gigs with basically no prestige. He probably would have faded into obscurity, but Lenin and Trotsky were starting to get real bitchy with each other over who should be in charge. Since Stalin made it very clear that he backed Lenin, he was quickly moved out of his middle management position and made the general secretary of the Central Committee, which is basically fancy talk for a guy who helps make important decisions. You know, brings you your coffee, hangs up your coat when you get into work, wears those stockings with a seam down the back. You know, just your general secretary. (laughs) Stalin and Lenin stayed besties throughout 1921 and early 1922, and, man, their relationship went south when Lenin had a massive stroke that left him paralyzed. <laughs> you guys thought it was going to be salacious. Nope, just a health issue. <laughs> <laughs> on two separate occasions, Lenin asked Stalin to hook him up with some poison so he could go out on his own terms, but Stalin refused. The two then got into a fight over what was to be done with the other countries in the Union. Lenin wanted each of them to be tiny, independent Soviet republics, but Stalin thought they should all be brought together as one. Throughout 1922, they fought and argued, but eventually they at least compromised on the name for their new nation, and named it the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, or USSR. So much better than our national anthem. It's so fucking like, and I was like, oh, I saw some fighting outside, but the flag was still there. I looked up and it was there, so I I stayed in my foxhole. I was like, okay, well, it's still there, so. Yeah, and I wrote, we're good. I'll I'll get up. If they take it down, I'll get up. But, (laughs) you know, it's it's still good, so I'm just going to sit here and cry and write letters to my mom and, and put them in the dirt. (laughs) <laughs> you know, in case I get killed, the blood doesn't ruin the ink. Because I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, I'm fucking terrified right now. Okay, <laughs> and I want my mom to know how I feel. <laughs> Francis like Scott that? is that what you're saying? Yeah, Francis Scott Key was basically Oppum from Saving Private Ryan. Like, they're just fucking murdering the shit out of Tom Hanks, and he's typing up a song. Like, oh, as long as the flag's there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, little known fact, it was also during this time period that Joseph Stalin's young bride, Nadezda, gave birth to a son, who they named Vasily. Five years later, his daughter Svetlana would be born. 
Stalin didn't spend a whole lot of time with his kids, and he constantly cheated on his wife. He would make up for lost time later in his life, but he still considered both of his children from this marriage to be bitter disappointments. Not my dad. He knows I host a history podcast, and he's super proud. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, dad. Well, at the end of 1922, Stalin further pissed off Lenin when he made a call to Lenin's wife (laughs) and treated her somewhat sexily. Uh, No, I'm sorry, that's not what it says. Somewhat harshly. From that point on, Lenin made sure to tell anyone and everyone that Stalin was a rude dumbass. It looked as if Lenin was going to fire Stalin and kick his ass out of the party, but in early 1923, Lenin's health took, uh, hmm, how do you say this, somewhat a a turn around the corner, a turn for the worse, and he decided to let the whole issue slide. Oh, why would he do that? It's like when my grandma was on her deathbed, and she was like, you know what? Those Jews, they're pretty okay. I was wrong all these years. God damn it, grandma. We knew it. We knew it. God damn. (laughs) And luckily, I didn't inherit any of her biases. Except against the Polacks. Because, you know, (laughs) because everybody hates those guys, right? (laughs) Guys. Yes. So your grandma was like on a deathbed, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I guess, vague parallels to my uncle. Mm -hmm. He was on his death liberator. It was a little (laughs) sex block thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Triangular shaped thing for, I don't know, different positions or something. It was extremely uncomfortable for me to see as a young man when... My mom told me about it. Okay. <laughs> so your mom went in there and saw it and then described it to you in full detail. No, no, no. I didn't know what it was. He was still alive when oh. we went in there to say our, you know, final piece and all that. Mm-hmm. I just was wondering why he was on a triangle and still had like a nasal cannula and <laughs> was on a heart monitor and all that. <laughs> Bury me next to Greg's little brother. Ah! Well, he just said he wanted to die as he lived, you know, and dude, I don't know. What do you want from me? <laughs> I don't. You think I, don't, I can explain the trauma that I've experienced? I, not not in this podcast. That'll be a separate podcast for our Patreon listeners. It's called Secondhand Trauma. Third-hand trauma, actually. <laughs> yeah. The other two hands were occupied at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My two hands were holding on the windowsill. <laughs> Trying to get out. It was the the third hand that was traumatic. <laughs> we'll see in the Patreon exclusive coming soon. I always wished he was coming sooner than he was. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> to my birthday party. He always showed up late. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you now. Sorry. I was thinking about something else. Thinking about a joke I heard earlier today about somebody being molested by their uncle. <clears throat> Continue the podcast. Ooh, that's a weird joke. <laughs> well, well, all that aside, while Lenin was sitting at home, the Politburo took over control of the entire country. While it was designed to be a group project, 
Stalin soon began making moves to control the whole thing. His first move was to convince the Politburo that Trotsky had too much power because he was in charge of the Red Army. They agreed to put the army under the control of the Politburo and strip Trotsky of command, which meant if he decided to try and seize power, he'd no longer have the military behind him. Yeah, and that's kind of cool because, you know, we've studied a lot of history and it reminds me a lot of ancient Rome where, like, Caesar did the same thing, where Caesar had control of the army and that allowed him to march back into Rome and take power. And so Stalin was like, not today, Trotsky. You're not going to Caesar me. Only my wife can do that. And she has to wear an accessory. Mm, the old Caesar-tossed salad. <laughs> mm-hmm. In January of 1924, Vladimir Lenin died of death and went straight to hell. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> this left the Bolsheviks somewhat directionless. Trotsky wanted to move more towards the communist utopia that Lenin had promised, but Stalin wanted to keep the few bits of capitalism they held. The party fractured, but Stalin was, was kind of a better politician than Trotsky and managed to turn everyone against him. It also helped that Stalin was in control of and directed the secret police. Not only did he spy on him, he was also able to fabricate evidence that made it look like Trotsky was trying to overthrow the government. By 1927, Trotsky was basically powerless and had been kicked out of the Politburo and the Central Committee. He was sent to Kazakhstan and later expelled from the USSR completely. Nice try, Greg. We all know Kazakhstan's made up for Borat. In December of 1927... Stalin submitted his resignation and refused to run for re-election to the post of general secretary. He gave a speech saying that the people had needed a tough man to wage a tough battle against the opposition, but with those people gone, he was no longer needed. Of course, this was all political posturing and it worked like a fucking charm. The people were all like, Fuck Stalin was tough, and man he got the job done. We can't let him live now. In all but name only, Stalin was now the dictator of the Soviet Union. Yeah, and back in those days, he didn't have like a bunch of followers to Photoshop his head onto like Rocky's body. So like they actually thought he was tough, you know. Not like maybe modern times. Didn't have that small, tiny bent arm that we talked about <laughs> in the first half. Just Ivan Drago with a tiny baby arm but he's still mm -hmm. killing Apollo Creed. <laughs> Stalin's main goal in these first few years of control was to speed up the industrialization of the Soviet Union. In the late 1920s, the Soviet government proved the construction of massive industrial sites without finalized blueprints or any idea as to how much it would all cost. The Soviets bought gigantic amounts of machinery from Western countries we were selling them at a discount due to the Great Depression. AKA my marriage! Hit me, wolf dick! <laughs> <laughs> and behind it all was Stalin, who demanded ridiculous amounts of cars, tractors, and aircraft be built without any real idea how to make it happen. One thing he knew is that he needed raw materials and workers to make that happen, so he turned his eyes to the peasants in the countryside. In 1929, he announced the creation of Kolkhosis, or Collective Farms. 
These were to be created all throughout the countryside, and the peasants were to be forcibly moved there to work, essentially becoming indentured servants of the state. Wait a second. Not slaves. No. I don't oh, yeah, so. they did it in 1865. My bad. Continue. Unbelievable. <laughs> By February 1930, over 50% of the peasantry had been sent to a kokos. Of course, they didn't go willingly. Anyone who refused to go was arrested and beaten, and the agents from the cities that made sure this happened also made sure to plunder the peasants' homes and rape the women. Any funny fucking jokes here, Chris? <laughs> huh? Um, no, sir. No. Okay. Uprisings began to happen throughout the country, but Stalin played dumb and, well, he blamed his subordinates for the brutality. Then he went ahead and ordered his troops to make sure that the peasants did as they were told. Between 1930 and 1932, hundreds of thousands of them were shot or imprisoned, and another two million were sent to exile where most of them, especially the children, died slow, agonizing deaths. And now a Chris joke. Hey, Greg, what's the best time to go to the dentist? I don't know. 2.30. <laughs> yeah, because it's tooth hurty. Tooth, tooth hurt. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. Anyway, back to the dead kids that died agonizing deaths. <clears throat> well, hey, good news. Stalin said that his five-year plan to industrialize the country, it had been a smashing success, and they had reached their goals way ahead of schedule. Of course, they hadn't come anywhere near the lofty goals established by Stalin in the first place, but no one likes to get bogged down in the minutia of things like that when you can just sit there and lie about it. And for the peasants, things somehow got worse. It turns out that forcing people to move to collective farms and work against their will under the threat of death leads to... How do you say this? Less than ideal production. A two-year famine struck in 1931, in which five to seven million people starved to death. To feed the people in cities, Stalin ordered all of the grain, meat, vegetables, and dairy products taken from the peasants. In early 1933, the secret police observed widespread cannibalism, with reports that mothers were murdering their own children to feed their families. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I'm guessing something slipped there. He didn't mean to do that, guys. God. Well, yes. Things in the Soviet Union were, they were going great, and the future was full of fun things like violent purges of the government and military, another war, more famine, and nuclear proliferation. But if you want to hear about all that, you're just going to have to come back next time for the exciting conclusion of this HPH series on Mr. Joseph Stalin, who we promise will wind up dying a very painful death. But for now, end of this part of the story. Woo! We did it. We told half of the Joseph Stalin story. We're going to tell the rest next time. But before we tell the 
you know, the rest of his life. There's a few things we left out of this part of his life intentionally to keep you hanging on. You're like, oh, there's there's probably a little bit more. There's probably some things they didn't tell us. Well, right now it's time for those, and we call them the fast facts. I'm a human. <laughs> I'm a human, and I'm coming. <laughs> oh, she's getting lit. Fast fact number one. Before the fall of the Tsarist Empire and the rise of communism, there were a ton of rumors floating around the Bolshevik party that Joseph Stalin was a double agent and a spy for the police. This was because he quickly rose through the ranks of the party after people above him were arrested and he always seemed to get lighter punishments from the courts. Now, there is absolutely nothing to substantiate these rumors and it was far more likely that it was the opposite and he had his own spies within the police department that warned him about impending raids. Fast fact number two. I'm coming. <laughs> because he was in exile in Siberia, Stalin avoided the initial fighting in World War I. But after the first years of the war, which were complete and utter shit for the Russians, the Tsar decided that the exiles could be compelled to fight as well. Stalin was all ready to go, but his deformed baby gimp arm kept him out of the service. Privately, he stated he was ashamed of his inability to fight, but publicly, he would always say he was proud he was a good little Bolshevik and never fought for the Tsarish regime. Fast fact number three. Stalin was a pretty bad military leader who blamed his subordinates for all of his failures, but he also made sure to take credit for things he didn't actually do. In 1919, he wrote to Lenin bragging about how he had captured a Petrograd fort using naval forces, even though he had been told by naval scientists, that's a real thing, that it was impossible. Lenin didn't know if it was possible, but he knew Stalin was full of shit because the fort had been captured entirely by ground forces. Fast fact number four. Following his exile from the USSR, Leon Trotsky continued to write on the subject of communism and frequently spoke out against Joseph Stalin. In 1940, Trotsky was living in Mexico when an assassin broke into his home and drove a goddamn ice axe into Trotsky's brain. It shouldn't surprise you at all to learn that it was later revealed that Trotsky's assassination had been orchestrated by the Soviet secret police at the behest of one Joseph Stalin. All right, we thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're ready to come back in a couple weeks for the second part of Stalin's story. We got some World War II, we got some purges, man, it's going to be a crazy fucking second part. An exciting conclusion for sure, and we hope you've enjoyed the first part of the story as well. In the meantime, you can check us out at HunterProofHistory.com. There you'll find a little bit of biographic information, Some you can play some old episodes if you're just sitting at work and you got to browser up and nothing else to do. You can also find that sweet, sweet, clean link to our Patreon where for just $3 a month, you get access to old episodes, bonus episodes, and two days, at least two days, early access 
to new releases. You can also find us on social media at 100proofhistory. We're mostly on the Instagram and the Facebook. Twitter just makes everybody sad, but we'll post things from time to time to try and brighten your day a little. But that is it for myself, for Dan Dan, the intro man, Wolf Dick, who did a fantastic job this week, sort of. You know, he just, he had a lot of things from Alex Jones, but that's okay. We love you, Wolf Dick. You did great. I say thank you guys for listening, and we ask main host, best host, ultimate host, fanciest feast of hosts, Gregory, what else? Well, Chris, thanks for throwing it back to me. Uh, this week, actually, Wolf Dick uh, said he has prepared something that he feels like embodies me. Okay. So, Wolf Dick, I guess go ahead and, and let that lead us out. Thank you and goodbye. I'm a pioneer. I'm an explorer. I'm a human and I'm coming. I'm animated. I'm alive. My heart's big. It's got hot blood going through it fast. I like to fight too. I like to eat. I like to have children. I'm here. I got a life force. This is a human. This is what we look like. This is what we act like. This is what everybody was like before us. This is what I am. I'm a throwback. I'm here. I've got the fire of human liberty. I'm setting fires everywhere, and humans are turning on everywhere. None of that makes sense. None of it. Like, you listen to it, he's, it doesn't make fucking sense. He sounds like he's, he's going feral. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so this podcast. I said all that. Yeah. Sorry. No. <clears throat> we, we both did it, bro. We're yeah. getting into the fucking, you know? The flow. He's an in. Yeah. Uh, neither one of us are hundy right now. We're not hundred emoji. Yeah. We got to coax each other in. Loop you know, I do this podcast in my head while I'm driving and I'm like a fucking wild man and I'm singing songs and saying crazy <laughs> shit. And I come up here and it's like, hi guys. Uh, I'm Wild to- Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Stalin, he's a hero. <laughs> <laughs> like that's in the car and then get up here and I'm like and today our source is who cares god who cares chris you're low energy no i'm i'm, I'm actually very high e. <laughs> high estrogen feeling it man feeling it and i'm like hi estrogen my name's greg <laughs> okay podcast here we go Nailed here it. we go here we go so, you said something about a priest being well hung. <laughs> just hung. Yeah, just hung. Fair enough. William hung. <laughs> she bang. She bang. <laughs> oh, oh. I don't even know how to reset this. Just Remember say, William Chris, hung? what are we talking about today? <laughs> or oh, oh, her. Yes, sorry. Been a lot of female dictators. So, we'll let you make your own decisions. I feel like on an episode far, far away, mm-hmm. long, long time ago, I did make a joke about dictators. How that? Something about potatoes, maybe penis shaped. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sound familiar? It does. It does. It sounds hauntingly familiar. Not good familiar. podcasting, I guess. Not good podcasting. No, that's good. I can't I even sh- reference it.
I don't know what I when it happened. I know at one point it was how did that I dictate? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I think there's been multiple dictator jokes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are children. We are goddamn children. <laughs> Third and and you're grasping the windows. <laughs> It's one touch of my private <laughs> I know, I get it, yes. <laughs> I'm a human, and I'm coming. <laughs> I'm a human, and I'm coming. <laughs> Uncle, no, but let's just wait till later. <laughs> I'm a human, and I'm coming. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and humans are turning on everywhere. The fuck humans are turning on everyone. What does that mean? <laughs> They're starting to get it. They're all starting to break out of the fucking matrix, Chris. Sandy Hope was fake. Fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs>